Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I'm bringing to you a completely different episode as I wanted to do a wrap-up of 2020. I mean, this has been quite the year with Kobe's passing, to the pandemic, to the NBA shutdown, the bubble, and way more. So I've invited a few of my friends to talk about their perspective of these things. We have Michelle Riddick, who is the mother of Damian Lee of the Golden State Warriors, Kenny Crawford, the mother of Dwayne Bacon, who recently signed with the Orlando Magic, and Susan Danforth, the mother of Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. So we have a lot to cover, so let me bring on my guests and let's get to it. So ladies, thank you both for coming on Courtside Moms and joining me to talk about the 2020 wrap-up. The world has seen so many changes this year and it affected everybody in every way but it also affected um, basketball so the first thing that I thought of was um, January 1st the passing of uh, the former commissioner David Stern then moving forward a couple of days later the unfortunate passing of Kobe and Gigi do you guys remember where you were when you heard the news I was at home when I heard it, and at first I didn't believe it. Like, it's Kobe. Yeah. 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 Michelle, where were you? It was unraveled. It was, it's devastating. Yeah. It was. And Michelle, tell us, where were you? Was, um, I remember it was a Sunday Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Sunday. Yes, it, it was. was uh, yep. It was uh, January 26th, which yep. is Sunday. And um, I was home. We watched, I was watching, I don't know, I was watching something on TV, and I got a phone call from my daughter-in-law, and she was like, Ma, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing. I'm home. <laughs> She's like, are you by the TV? And I'm like, yeah, I'm watching something I was watching. She's like, did you hear? And I was like, hear what? And then she said it. And I was like, no, I was like, that can't be true. So we're on the phone for a little bit, you know, a little while together. And then I was like, well, let's just start looking at the news station. So we turned to CNN and then we turned to Fox News. And then before we actually, Fox News, it came across the wire, across TMZ. And then we turned Fox News on and then it came on. And I was like, oh my gosh. I said to, I said to Sadas, oh my gosh, it's true. And, you know, you just break down at that point. Like I'm, in the same, I'm in my 40s, and Kobe was in his 40s, and I remember when he started playing basketball, and I remember when he was drafted, and then my son, being 28, he enjoyed watching Kobe play, you know, loved Kobe, loved his game, so it was kind of like, you know, it's, it's surreal, and of course, of course, to find out his daughter was on the plane with them, and uh, then all the family members, the other families, and their, you know, children on the plane. It was just devastating, just once you start hearing about it. Yeah. I remember I was at, uh, I was at choir practice, actually, Hmm. and yep, you were right, it was a Sunday, it was a Sunday afternoon, and um, I just remember sitting there, just, you know what I mean, we're practice, and all of a sudden, someone's staring at me one of the choir members, and she's like, oh, my gosh. And then she shows me her phone, and I just, what? And then the whole choir practice just stopped, and we were all just stunned. And we're like, no, no, this can't be true. 
And I was like, I have to call my son and make sure this is right. If this is true, it can't be. No, it's Kobe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, no. This is, you know, it's Mamba. Like, he's he's not going anywhere. Stop. Like, this is this is not fun. Whoever whoever made up the story, because for me, in my mind, the story was made up. And then when they were saying his daughter, I was like, ooh, I can't see somebody being that cruel to make up a story that he passed Wells' daughter. And I was like, whoa, that's just, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, and then you look at the outpour um, in the communities and the world that, oh, anyway, it's really hard to talk about. Did your sons know Kobe? No. Yeah, my son didn't either, but it still affected him as a as a player, right? Yeah, my son didn't know Kobe either, but it did affect him as a player. And the first game they played afterwards happened to be in Philadelphia, where you know Kobe That's right. is from high school there. And um, you know, my son went to school at Drexel, so um, in Philly. No. And we went, so we went to the game. I went to that game, and of course, they did a tribute to Kobe then. Yeah. And um, it was very emotional. It was, you know, and you, you felt the love that the city had. So as we're driving to Philly, because I'm in Maryland, we're driving up to Philly up I-95. As soon as you get to Philly, every, because, you know, Philly, like all the cities have the lights, have the, you know, the billboards up there now, electronic. So the electronic billboards, all you see is stuff that says, you know, um, has, has Kobe's face on it, you know, or it says rest in peace, or it says black mom. It's pictures of him all in the city everywhere. And it was just like, it, even if you didn't want to believe it was real, you were like, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Real. You know, as mothers, I mean, I, I I can't fathom thinking that, you know, you lose your, your child. You know what I mean? Everybody was talking about his wife a lot. You know what I mean? Her losing her daughter and her son. You know what I mean? But for me, it was like, I felt so, so, so sad for Vanessa and the family, but also felt for his mom, too. At the end of the day, it's her baby. You know what I mean? As moms, like we don't want to, we don't want to outlive our children, or you never think that we're going to. And then to hear, you know what I mean, the passing of our children and and the way he went. I guess for me, that's what touched more. You know what I mean? Because then you think of all the things that went down just before his passing. But anyway, what I liked was the players started to retire um, the players that had eight and twenty four, and they started to retire um, their numbers in his memory. My son, um, he wears 24, and he still wears 24. And I remember having that conversation as to why he wasn't retiring his number. But for him, that's a bittersweet thing, too, because when he was a teenager, his best friend, um, Christian, wore 24, and he died in a car crash. Wow. And that's why Cam, to this day, wears 24. So he was like, there's no disrespect to anybody. He says, but for me, I wear 24 for my best friend. And, And that's what he did. So, February was All-Star Weekend. Did you guys ever attend All-Star? Susan, you said no? No. Okay. Well, we're bringing you. Okay, maybe 2022? We're we're bringing you. Michelle, you were saying that you've been there before, and I I went there this year. I didn't go this year. Right. Um, I've been All-Star Weekend before. Right. I've been when my son played in the NBA. And then I've been since he's playing. So it's two different experiences. Yeah. Different experience when your son's playing versus when he's not, you know. But um, that was a, it was a great time. I had a good time, you know, going to the events, you know, the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest. And the, did I go there? No. I went to the 
No, I did go to that. I did. I can't remember I went to. Lord have mercy, my mind is bad. In Charlotte, I went to those. I went to the all-star, the, the slam dunk contest and the three-point contest. And then going to the game. Going to the game is 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 cool, too. I've been to the game twice, so it's pretty cool. Well, let's pause for one second. We'll get back to all-star in a minute. Kenny, can you turn your um, your camera around? Now, now, Kenny, that, 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 we that, excuse that. you for being late just because it's your birthday, girl. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. So to the people that are watching and listening, Miss Kenny Crawford, she is fashionably late because she had things to do. (laughs) So we we thank you, Kenny, for squeezing us in. Look, y'all, she's in the car and everything. I'm sorry. Dwayne has me running. I'm so sorry. Well, you know what? That's the life of a magic mom. So congratulations, mom. But we'll talk about that a little later. But I just got to congratulate you because now, you know what I mean? That's our boys will be playing together or they are playing together. Thank you. So, Kenny, we were talking about All-Star Weekend and who went and and who hasn't been yet. Um, Have you did you ever go? No, I, well, I went um, when they had it in Charlotte, but I didn't actually attend the All-Star Games or nothing. But I was able to do like the um, Michael Jordan's mom had the NBA Moms Brunch and um, I was able to do that. And it was very it was nice. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to groom Susan because she hasn't been yet. But we're sure Fred's going to change all that. Right, Susan? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I went to um, the All-Star Weekend this uh, this year, and I actually had a fantastic time. I went because I wanted to just to live the experience. My son wasn't there. He wasn't. He was on vacation. But I wanted to see what it was all about, and I'm so blessed that I went. I mean, I got to meet so many moms, and the highlight of my weekend was meeting, actually, Mrs. Dolores Jordan. OMG. What a beautiful, beautiful woman. What a beautiful woman. So for me, <clears throat> best part of my weekend. Best part. So. She's no, she's definitely a beautiful woman. Yeah. I went to, like Kenny did, the um, brunch was hosted by um, Chris Paul's mom, Robin, mm-hmm. Robin. Paul, yep. by um, Sonia Curry, Seth and Seth mm-hmm. and Seth and Fidel's mom. Right. And they hosted the one in Charlotte, and I went to that as well, and um, Mrs. Jordan spoke, and it was a very nice event. Yeah. She came to um, the mother's um, group. Yeah. 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 She came to our event and uh, and she spoke there too. So it was enlightening, you know what I mean? Because you're hearing from like one of the original OGs, right? You know what I mean? It was nice just to sit there and listen to her. Um, I just loved her speech. I just love her as a woman. It was just, you know what I mean? Like for me, that meant everything. So I was able to get a picture with her too, so... It's, it's nice to get wisdom from people who've been in this game for so long and it's people, you know, done things and you get to learn from them because why create the wheel when someone else can tell you, hey, this is what it's like, this is what happens, this is what goes on. And they did it differently, right? I mean, it was so, it was a different world back then, you know what I mean? It's, it's um, now you got social media and you got, you know what I mean? Everything's on the internet. Everything is different now. So... March happens and uh, Rudy Gobert, the Utah Jazz, tests positive for COVID, which not many people knew about. And before 
we all knew it. Everything was shut down, and there was, like, this hiatus that everybody was, like, freaking out over. And I remember Adam Silver announcing that, you know, it's going to shut down for at least 30 days, but maybe this season will not resume. So tell me, what was your boys' reaction to that when they heard, like, hold on a minute, like, I can't play one day, never mind 30 days, and what, the season might not come back? Like, how did Dwayne react to that, Kenny? Um, Dwayne was uh, pretty upset about it. I think more devastated because how his thing was, how could, you know, this happen and then take away the game that so many players love. So I think the next thing for him was trying to stay safe, but also trying to figure out, like, what's next? How do we continue to to stay in shape or keep going through all of this, um, not knowing that 30 days would turn into so many months? So um, yeah. he was just trying to figure out what to do and, and how to stay in shape and stay busy and and just, you know, something that he's used to doing every day for it to be taken away from it. It kind of, it just, it just bothered him a lot. So... Uh, he began to just, you know, go outside and maybe shoot basketball or something. He just was trying to figure out ways to um, to continue to play the game, even though he wasn't able to play it, you know, with his teammates and in the gym. So he was he was just trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, Susan, what uh, what did Fred do during the hiatus? Well, they had just been to Utah, mm-hmm. so we kind of were like all freaking out because he called me. They got back and he calls me, you know, it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And he's like, I'm on my way to go get tested. We have to all get tested. So for us, it was more, we were in limbo and really um, just waiting to find out what his test results were, you know, what our steps would be. And then he was in Canada. So that added another layer to all of it. And they were closing the borders because I was supposed to come to you. Yes. And we canceled that at the last minute. And then um, just trying, to, you know, like Kenny said, what they're just, they're programmed to play basketball. Every single day, even off days aren't off days. Right. So what do I do? Well, basketball is life for our sons, right? right. You know what I mean? For them, that's yeah. all they know. They wake up in the morning and they're gone. They're going to play basketball. So just to think that, you can't play. There's one thing, you know what I mean? When you're told that you cannot do something, right. you know what I mean? And it's one thing if they say, okay, well, I don't know, uh, your arena's closed. But it was like, your arena's closed, the world is closed, so stay home. Yeah. <laughs> That's I not the home. same. Um, yeah. And then, you know, for him um, being a parent and he was exposed, so then there was a lot of fear if he were to be positive and would he give it to his family? So it was a lot of unknown and just waiting. It was a waiting game and just trying to stay positive. Absolutely. And wondering if I'm getting in my car and driving to Toronto or because, you know, what I, I'm going to make everything better. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Right? Mom's going to come with, the, with our, with our vaccine. Our yeah. Like how do we get to them? Yeah, we'll come with our pot of stew and and <laughs> that's our vaccine for my baby. You keep it moving, right? And it'll go away in 30 days. Don't worry. It'll go away in two weeks. Like we were convinced. And think, yeah, and then I think a week turned into two maybe. Yeah. And then um, 
he was able to fly his family back here just before our town went down on lockdown. So he came in on a Friday night and then we locked down on Saturday. So he was actually able to be here during the shutdown. Michelle, were you able to see Damien during, like at the beginning of all of it? Mm -mm. I was here in Maryland. He was in California. Yeah. So you guys didn't... I didn't see see Damien until August. And that's the longest we've ever went without seeing each other. Oh my gosh, that's awful. That's a long time. Especially, you know, used to seeing your child, it doesn't matter that they're in college or whatever, because, you know, our lives are, they play sports, so they play basketball, so we always see them, always traveling to a game, whether it's at the school they're in in college, whether it's their, you know, professionally, you know, G League or NBA. So this was six months, almost six months without seeing my son. It was the weirdest thing ever. Like, that's never happened I would pray it never happens again. So for us, it was really like, and then I went out there for a week and I got to see him and spend some time with him. So it was good to see him and and, and see my daughter in love. So it was good to see both of them. But it was a, a strange, you know, strange time, you know. So, you know. I don't even remember when I saw my son last, to be honest. I wow. think, yeah, that's how long. I'm like, wait a minute. I definitely didn't see him in 2020. And I believe the last time I saw him, like, in person was um, in August uh, 2019. Yeah, Wendy, the last time I saw Damien was was at the, um, in February when they played Brooklyn. I went to that game when Mm -hmm. they played the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And then we were planning on, I'll see you when you play the Knicks, and it's supposed to be, like, March 21st. (laughs) And then they closed the world on, like, March 10th, 12th, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. actually it was February, not, not March, it was actually February. So it was even longer than I thought that I hadn't seen him. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I think it was March 13th, Friday, that everything started shutting down. I will never forget that day. Never, which is weird yeah. for me. I was on leave from work, and I actually started work again on March 11th. So <laughs> I went back to work, and then two days later, everything shut down. But I still had to work. Yeah. It was awful. But anyway, <laughs> so... So, ladies, moving forward, then so much other unfortunate things happened. Um, we had the death of Breonna Taylor, and then we had the death of George Floyd. I, you know, I remember hearing about, um, I'll start with George Floyd, hearing about his death. And at one point, I was like, wait, what? They did what? And and for me, it was, like, so surreal because, like, no, that can't be. You're not telling me that someone was murdered in broad daylight because at the end of the day, in my opinion, right away off the bat, it was murder, irregardless. You know what I mean? To me, it didn't make a difference why. I didn't even know why he was arrested. I didn't really care. To me, it was just the inhumane way he passed away. Um, so I just couldn't understand that. And then, you know, you're reading and you're reading and you're looking on the news and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And for me, it was just a sense of sadness that this poor man lost his life. And the, you know what I mean? And then it just went viral and people were talking about it and they were showing it. And I don't know. But what was your first thought when you saw that, Susan? Like when you when you heard the news and you're watching there and you're like, wait, this this poor guy was murdered. Like just it was so sad. And the. Um, I still have not watched the video. I've caught like clips of it, but I just, I can't watch it. It's so sad that that could happen to anyone. 
and that that just played out in front of the whole world and um, that it was by a police officer on top of that and that they just killed someone in broad daylight. And for, uh, you know, my husband is a sergeant on the police department here. So for us, it, you know, we just look at him like, how can someone do that? That's right. You know, it's just sad. And I worry for my kids and my grandkids and you worry every day. But now it's just with social media, everything is being brought to the light. Mm-hmm. When you feel like the world should have went forward and we're just spiraling out of control backwards. And it's terrifying. It is terrifying because like you're saying, everything with social media now is being brought to light, but yet it didn't stop. So for me, no, it hasn't stopped. well, that's it. It hasn't exactly. It's not like that was the last, right? So it's like, when is it going to stop? But for me, I was like, wow, they're brazen. And then, you know, as mothers, you, you teach your children to trust the police because they're going to protect you. But then the past couple of months, you know what I mean? You worry about your child. Um, and you say, well, never mind. Don't go to the police. Like as a black mother, I'm like, uh-uh, like, you know, something's wrong. Who do you call? Like, what do you do? And then you have good officers like your husband who people, you know what I mean? Probably just, I don't know. To me, it's it's just the way, it, it, you know what I mean? Just the way the world was seeing it because it was just brazen. And it really just took us out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Because, you know, we get used to it. Like, okay, we just expect everyone to be like my husband. And it was just another reminder that not everyone is like him. Right. And that, you know, there's, and I don't believe that, you know, you shouldn't be able to be a bad employee as a police officer. That, that should just, that's not acceptable. Yeah. And so for us, it was just another reminder, like, with our younger, our older kids, we always said, you know, not everybody is like your dad. So when you get pulled over, you have to do this, 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 and this, because not everybody is like him. And we shouldn't, why do we even have to have those conversations with our kids? We shouldn't, Yeah. but we do. And now, and we still do. And it was just another, you know, slap in our face that it doesn't matter. Well, there was a bunch of protests that started around the world. Um, did you guys participate in any of any of the protests? I, I want to speak on the, the George Floyd real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say like things have been happening, so things always happen in the world, and social media just brings it to light. That's right. So if it wasn't for George Floyd, would we had ever known about Ahmaud Arbery who died on February twenty third, two thousand? Right. Probably not. Would, would Breonna Taylor, who died March 13, 2020, would that have ever been brought to light the way it was? Probably not. George Floyd, which was senselessly murdered. We know he was murdered. It was, it, was, it was unconscionable. It was just a horrible, horrible act, what happened to him. And we know that. And because, however, because of what happened with him, it brought other things to light that have been going on. So things always happen. And I think because we live in such a time where social media is so like everyone wants instant news, instant gratification, that we're going to find out more things are happening that probably we wouldn't have known that ha- that would happen 20 years ago. It just wouldn't push underneath the rug. Like Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor just wouldn't push underneath the rug because you would have had no one that would have cared about it. 
but because of social media, so social media is good in that way. It brings it brings all that out and it brings to attention. And I also feel like because we were in a pandemic when that happened to George Floyd and no one could go to the store, we had no basketball games, no soccer games, no hockey playoffs, no tennis, no golf. You had nothing to preoccupy your mind. So everyone had to sit still and look at what happened. And you had to face the fact that look at this. There are cops out here, police officers, and like we said, not every police officer is bad. And like you're saying, Susan, you have a living example of a good police officer. You're married to one, your husband. So not everyone is is a bad police officer, but this made the world take a look and say, hey, look at this. It was a perfect storm. So everyone had to stop and take a look and see what was going on. You couldn't you couldn't put blinders on, act like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. What happened? the world was stopped. So everyone got a chance to look and see how I love being, being an American, you know, United States, it's my country. I am a veteran of this country. I fought in a war country. I love my country, but this country is messed up in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of things we need to fix in this country. And that was just amplified whenever you got to, and the whole world got to see that video. As far as protests, no, I didn't participate in protests. No. <laughs> An hour and a half ago, I forgot what I asked. No, it's good. <laughs> I was a little too nervous to go outside and be a part of it. I'm not going to lie. You yeah. brought up a really good point, though, because we were in the middle of a pandemic and there was nothing else going on. The news, it, it didn't go away. Right. As it does, unfortunately, for other people. Yes. The cycle just kept playing it and playing it and talking about it. And then you have, I mean, when I even looked at when he, when they buried him, how many times have you had a funeral on CNN, NBC, CBS, that wasn't of a, of, of, of someone that was like, you know, yeah, office, like how they did um, when John Lewis passed away, you know, or a diplomat, he was, it was, his funeral was aired on national television. That's right. So it was right there in your face. So you really have to reckon with it and say, what side of the aisle do I sit on? Do I sit on and I say, well, you know, he had a criminal background. Or do you sit on the side and say, well, yeah, he had a past like everyone has a past, but he didn't deserve to die. Right. You know, you have to really reckon and see, see, where do you you sit on this? Where do you sit on this? And where do you sit on life? Because so many people are like, well, he shouldn't have did this. A lot of people do stuff every day, but it doesn't mean you should die for it. Exactly. I agree. A lot of people get up and they tell a story they shouldn't have told. They run. They may have lied. They may have hit someone, but no one deserves to die like a dog in the street. Here in America, we care more about animals than we do about people. Yeah, that's true. And that is something that just obviously people need to get together and change. And to me, when I was looking at the protests, I'm like, good, because... For me, I was like, thank God for millennials. No, oh, yes, definitely. Because, you know what I mean? For them, they were like, I'm standing up. I believe in this and I'm not stopping until, you know what I mean? Because I was talking to some of my friends in at the time I was in Montreal, you know what I mean? And they were going to protests and stuff like that. But I just, it's just seen that the older the people were, they would go to a protest. They'll go to one, maybe two, but that was it. Oh, I have to go back to work. But, you know, but I still believe in the cause. But yet you got these millennials who are like, nah, man, I'm out there every day. 
you know what I mean? All day. And I'm going to continue to push it and push it and push it. And this is why we're at where we are now. You know what I mean? Getting a little bit further than, you know what I mean, than before. But for me, I just say God bless a lot of the younger, you know what I mean, the younger generation because at the end, this is their life. And this is going to be, you know what I mean, they fight now for when they get a little bit older, when they're in their 30s and 40s, right? If they don't do nothing now, then nothing's going to change. And for me, I had a sense of sadness for, for my kids. And then I was looking at my, my grandkids and I'm like, wow, like what kind of life is going to be, you know what I mean, are they going to have when they get older? You know what I mean? So for me, it was just a, it was just do something. And I wanted to put myself and involve myself in something. So I went to protests in Montreal, you know what I mean? And, and they, they were good. But then one of them, of course, it got out of hand because people started looting and stuff like that, which just was completely, to me, in my opinion, was ridiculous because it took away from the point of the protest, right? Because there's always something that's going to remove from why we're really there. But at the end of the day, I think eventually things got better when, for example, when they start painting the streets with Black Lives Matter. I never in a million years thought that Montreal, Quebec, which is known as the French city, would actually have Black Lives Matter written on the street. I mean, they had it in English and French. But for me, the point was it was there. And that was very, very important to me as a black citizen living in that city. You know, I, I live in Nova Scotia now and we have it here. So for me, and I found it by accident, I didn't even know that it was here. And I remember going to the gym one day, I turned the corner and I was like, wow. And I was so happy to say that I was able to drive through it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> now they have that in where you, um, where you are, Michelle, right? They have one in D.C., mm-hmm. you know, they changed the street in D.C. And then there's one in Baltimore City um, near City Hall in Baltimore City. Mm-hmm. It's Black Lives Matter. Thank you for sharing that information, Michelle. <laughs> so finally, oh my gosh, this is fun. So then finally, um, the news came that the NBA was um, starting over, restart, resuming. That's the word we're going to use. And um, our boys were brought to the bubble. Susan, what was it like for Fred now to get back because the I, actually the Raptors went right to Tampa at that point I believe right they went to Tampa and he actually I think he ended up there like a week early hmm. yeah I remember the Raptors had to go early yep so they went early so um they did it was lonely because he was home for the first time um since he went away to college like when he he graduated high school. I don't know about your guys' sons, but like the day after he graduated, he went to college right. and he was gone for four years. And then now he's been in the league. So that was the longest amount of time that he has actually like been home. And we have a large family. So mm-hmm. it, he went to being home with all of his brothers and his sisters and then nothing, not even, you know, his family could go at first. So it was lonely. He joked that he was going to get good sleep, but he didn't because he was all by himself. <laughs> yeah, I guess missing his family and stuff, and yeah, yeah, missing the kids. I mean, that was must, must be tough when you're put in this situation where you have to go to this location wherever it is, and then you don't right. even know how long you're going to be there. I mean, and someone else, yeah, and then someone else dictates all of your rules. Yeah, so that's the worst. Yeah. 
I remember um, one of the players saying it was like a fancy AAU tournament. <laughs> that was the comparison that they gave it. You know what I mean? I had to laugh, but it's true. Like you said, you you know what I mean? You feel like these guys are adults and now they're being told what to do, how to do it, where to go, where not to go. You know what I mean? You got to sit down and get tested every day. And oof, I don't know. The struggle was real. <laughs> and, then, and then you're, you know what I mean? And then you have people like your president that was saying things, pretty much what he was saying was put up and shut up. Like you guys get paid all this money, so deal with it. Which to me, it's like not fair. I mean, they're human. Just because they make a certain amount of money doesn't mean that they have to adhere to certain conditions, right? And I and I see for our boys, it was difficult. You know what I mean? My son was like, I, he was bored out of his tree. And he was in Orlando, so he was up the block from home. <laughs> so, <laughs> And he couldn't go home. You know what I mean? For him, it was like, wow. I can just play and go up the street, go home, and I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8, I swear. But no, you you know what I mean? So for him, his family was like right around the corner, and he couldn't see them. Yeah. Mm. The food was mean? bad. Yeah. You know, you have all that in the but, beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, Kenny, I don't think um, Charlotte, uh, the Hornets weren't in there, and neither um, uh, and Golden State. No. They didn't make it into the bubble. Yeah. And Michelle? No, we had the worst record in the NBA, girl. <laughs> I know. I'm just asking to be nice, but I know. <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay, look. I'm going to include you in the question, but. Charlotte. <laughs> oh, y'all didn't, Charlotte. No. Did I say Kenny? <laughs> I said, no, you didn't, Michelle. Y'all team Charlotte. They had them. That's oh. too funny. <laughs> so, Susan, um, what the Raptors? <laughs> I mean, with them winning the 2019 uh, championship, did Fred face, um, I guess, pressure from, you know what I mean, from the front office and plus the fans to bring home, I say home Canada, but, you know what I mean, the championship again? Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, what was the expectation of them going in the bubble? To win. I mean, he he puts that expectation on himself and he doesn't listen. He doesn't let anyone else, you know, he that stuff doesn't bother him. Yeah. So it's more what he puts on himself. Like he expected to go in and win again. So did any of you guys watch the games? Yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. Were y'all virtual fans? Yes. Sometimes. (laughs) I loved it. I did it a couple of times and I, I thought it was it was pretty cool. You know what I mean? And to me, it was a kudos to the NBA to find a way to get people, you know what I mean? To have people still included. And to me, I just love the the way they just handled the whole process of the bubble. You know what I mean? The first mandate, obviously, was to keep our sons safe. You know right. what I mean? And as families and the moms, you know, I mean, that's what you want. I mean, they're, our kids are in their 20s and 30s, but they're still our babies, right? Always. That's right. And then later on, moving on to August, the unfortunate shooting of Jacob Blake. I mean, that at that point, for me... I was like, yo, this has got to stop. But what I loved is the players. And at this point, they were like, no, we got to do something. And then here you have the Milwaukee Bucks that were playing actually the Magic. And they refused to come out of their um, the locker room. And they were like, we're not playing until something changes. How do you guys feel about that? Like, Kenny, like, what are your thoughts about the fact that these guys actually stood up and... You know what I mean? At least they started the process. 
I think that was brave of them. Um, mm -hmm. Through this whole process, going through um, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, I've been very emotional about it. And just going back to things like, here we are supposed to be equal, but yet we're not so equal because it's like taking us back to, you know, what our grand, great grandparents went through, you know, just the color of our skin. And I just, a lot of things that's happening, I'm just very emotional about it because here I am raising young, young boys to be young men. And, and do I have to worry about, you know, if they get pulled by the cops, um, you know, if they think they're doing something wrong, do I have to worry about this happening to them? So during this whole process, um, my feelings was just all over the place. But I think for the guys, you know, in the NBA to stand up and say they want to change, I think that was very brave of them because a lot of people are scared, uh, you know, and they don't come forth because, you know, maybe they don't want to lose their job or they're scared of this and that. But for them to do that, it sent a message that we're tired of being treated like, we're nothing. We're human beings. It shouldn't matter because the color of our skin, you know what I'm saying? We all, our hearts, we all have hearts. So, you know, we all have blood in our veins. So we should be treated just how everybody else. So like I said, during this process, I've been very emotional and just trying to talk to my kids, my boys, and just tell them, hey, you know, always be respectful. If you get pulled by the, you know, the police, say yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So it's just a very scary time for me. So I give kudos to the guys for the, the guys in the NBA for standing up because I thought that was very brave of them. Well, Susan, um, Fred was in the bubble at that time, so he was um, he was around all of that buzz um, that happened within the bubble. Did he ever talk to you about that and like what was going on day by day? Because I know the players met after the walkout. Um, did he speak to you about like? You know what I mean? Like about the players collectively coming together and making decisions as what they were going to do. Yeah. Um, we talked about, we just, it's so hard, you know, we, um, we talked about a lot of it and I was just really proud of him for kind of putting himself in the forefront and speaking up when a lot of players were worried about speaking up, um, about everything that was going on. And, you know, um, our kids are now men, so yeah. we, they have their own opinions. And it was just, I was really proud of him for being on the forefront of a lot of every, the things that were happening. Yeah. I mean, to right. me, it was like a slap in the face when you really think about it. I mean, here you have months before that, all these deaths, well, the deaths happened of George Floyd and stuff. And then, you know, the players are like, we're going to support. So they wear Black Lives Matter shirts, you know, or whatever on their jerseys. The WNBA had Say Her Name, you know what I mean, for Breonna Taylor. Um, some of the WNBA players, um, they actually had holes in the back of their shirts, seven holes in the back of their shirts that they were wearing, and they were walking the arena backwards um, to show respect to Jacob Blake. And you know what I mean? And then here you have more and more events happening, you know what I mean? So for them to put a stop and say, listen. You know what I mean? Enough is enough. To me, it shows, like you said, a lot of courage and bravery because it, it's it's got to it's got to stop somewhere. And to me, that showed so much power that these kids actually have. You know what I mean? People sit there and talk about, oh, you guys make so much money, so good. Then this is what we're gonna do. Now we're gonna, you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's entertainment. So if the NBA stops, it's gonna be a big deal. 
irrespectable, irregardless of what Donald Trump was saying. He said, he said right. that people are tired of the NBA was his comment. <laughs> and I think I, I think them um, not playing was more um, it was more it had more meaning. Right. Because we had just went without any basketball and then we got a small taste of basketball and then they all said you know what we don't we're not going to stand for this anymore and they also felt power he felt like he had no power because he was in the bubble and you can't do you can't go to you know he just wanted to be home and hug his own kids and be around his own family when all that is happening and you had you're in the bubble so that brought about um what was uh, more than a vote? I believe that was called that you had that LeBron started um, and a couple of other players. I believe it was Chris Paul and a couple of other players, um, which I guess is an organization that really brought the importance of voting to light. So as mothers, did you guys participate in anything um, in regards to this movement? Like Michelle, I know you did a couple of activities. You want to talk a little bit about that? I participated in When We All Vote, which is Michelle Obama's initiative. Mm-hmm. And it was myself and it was a, 12 of us that wanted to go to the event in Philadelphia. And it was Fuel the Vote. And it was about it was nine other NBA moms or 10 other NBA moms. And we met up in Philly and we did the um, event. We were giving away food and diapers and their art supplies and stuff for kids. And then they had their um, census. They were doing the census report in Philadelphia at that time. And then they were also um, registering people to vote who weren't who weren't vote, who didn't you know weren't registered to vote. And then we also did um, myself and one of my friends went back to Philly about once once voting had started. So that was in October, and we did early voting. And we did early voting with um, this was when we all vote and more than a vote. So it was it was Michelle Obama right. and LeBron James together for the voting event. And this was actually, people were actually voting at the time. So they were at the polls and they were standing in line to vote. And they were, um, uh, uh, what's the name? Feed America. The, he was there, they were there with the food, the central kitchen, central world kitchen had food there. Um, the Sixers came out, were giving out gear, t-shirts and hats. And then they had a barber who did um, free haircuts were given out that day. So it was all kind of stuff that they were doing, you know, kind of get people out there to vote. And a lot of people did vote in Philly because my whole thought process behind the voting initiative, like after everything happened with the young men, the NBA, and they had decided they weren't going to play anymore, you know, for that day, they were going to stop, boycott that game. What happened, happened in Milwaukee, well, in the you know, other state, what happened with Jacob Blake. And they were like, it happened in Wisconsin, we were going to stop. It just fueled us up as parents to be like, hey, what else What else can we do? And my thought as a parent was, we know certain states are blue, certain states are red. Like I live in Maryland. We knew what was going to happen in Maryland as far as the vote, who was going to get what vote. And the thought process was everyone needs to come out and vote. But then what about the battleground states? It was very important to me to have boots on the ground for battleground states. I knew Philadelphia was going to be big for the election. Now, whether you voted Republican or Democrat, that's whatever you want to vote. I'm not here to tell anybody how to vote, what you should vote, what you should believe in. But I believe in democracy, and that is the American way. We're, we're, we're a democracy. So we vote for who we want. We're not a dictatorship. 
So I just wanted to be out in the battleground state. The closest battleground state to me was Pennsylvania. Closest place to go was Philly. So in that event in Philly, I was like, I want to be there. I want to help as much as I possibly can. Let's get this vote out. Let's get people to vote. And then whatever happens on, you know, November 3rd and the weeks after and the votes are counted, then let that person be the president. But let's do what we need to do as a country to, to get the vote out because we live in a place where you're, where you're able to vote for your next president without corruption, without fear. You know, we, it's a blessing to be in this, to be in the position we're in. Well, for me, it was um, it was kudos to the NBA players that um, or the players association that, you know what I mean, did the initiative of making sure that the players are registered to vote. I mean, you have a lot of players that just probably never voted in their lives or never saw the importance to it. And here this year, it was like, you guys got to really, really push and make sure that you're out of there. And I think, what was it? I think it started with maybe under 20 percent of players, I think it was in the NBA that were registered to vote. And team by team, they just did everything they could. And at that point, it was a high percentage. It was like 90-something percent of the players now were registered to vote. So for me, it's like it's a great thing that the NBA, the players, you know what I mean, got on board and really understood the importance of it and, and did what they could. I mean, I was talking to my son about it, and at the end of the day, we're Canadian citizens, right? So, I mean, what could we do? You know what I mean? I mean, with some of the parents... Uh, we're sitting on certain committees and helping out, but that's pretty much all I was able to do. But for me as a Canadian citizen, it was important because whatever happens down there, you know what I mean? Like you guys are our are, are brothers and sisters too. And we have to make sure that everybody's protected, right? So it was just to do whatever I could. And then here my son is like, he couldn't, all he can do is watch pretty much. You know what I mean? He can get the word out and tell everybody, you know, you just make sure that you register to vote, make sure you register to vote. But he couldn't stand there in line, you know what I mean? And and be, and be one, you know what I mean? Like his one vote won't count yet. So <laughs> you never know what the future will bring, right? I want to say something real quick, Wendy. Oh. When it comes to voting too, which is something I stress to Damien more now than ever before, you have to also know who's on your local ballot. It's yeah. not, I mean, it's important. You're going to vote for your president, which is important, but you need to also know who else is on the ballot because those local judges are going to be the one to make the decisions that's going to put people in jail. That's right where you are. So you need to be looking at that, your Congress, your senators, you know, your representatives. Don't just look and say, I'm just going to vote for the president. Then click, click all the way down the line where it is. So that's something I stress too. And I have to say, uh, him, uh, my son and his wife took the time. They went up the ballot together, looked at it, and made decisions. And that's what we all have to start doing. Really take a take our time to look at our ballot and make a make an informed decision, and not just vote on the four year, but that two year is just as important. So we need to all get ready to vote in twenty twenty two. Don't worry around me. <laughs> No, but it's true. I mean, this is the time now to start preparing for the next election, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Like everything that happened this year, it's going to have to double and triple up moving forward. So it's kind of good that the process is now. You know what I mean? So while Biden is, you know, doing her term, everybody's going to start getting ready for, you know what I mean? (laughs) For the next term, right? Because... It's like you said, moving forward forever. It's always going to be really important to get at everybody as much people as possible. You know what I mean? Um, uh, to vote. You know, doing initiatives so people understand the importance of voting. Because I think a lot of people don't vote because they don't understand why. 
You know what I mean? And like you were saying, Michelle, you got to know who's on your ballot. I mean, I remember um, in Canada voting. And mm-hmm. you think, oh, I'm going to vote for a prime minister. But then when you get there, his name is not on the ballot. Hold on a minute. You know what I mean? Not realizing, no, it's your area. You have to vote for somebody. And I'm like, who's she or who's he? I don't know. Never pay attention to that. You know what I mean? When they come around the door and they knock on the door, I was like, oh, God. And you close the door because they're annoying. But then I'm like, no, she's not annoying or he's not annoying. Like, they, you know what I mean? I need to understand what they're going to do for me. I need to know who to vote for. So for me, as I got older, I was like, no, voting is important because I paid it. No, never mind for years. I didn't, right. couldn't care less because for me, I had that mentality as, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. But then when things started to happen and I realized, and I would ask, well, how do we change it? And they're like, did you vote? I'm like, yeah. no. And then like, well, then why are you complaining? I'm like, oh, it's true. So then I changed my mindset and then I would tell my boys, I think you guys should understand why we need to vote because this is for you. This is your future. So if you're not going to do anything about it, then really don't comment on it. Just live with what you got. Very important. Absolutely. So then we had the free agency period. (laughs) I'm looking at you, Sue. Okay, let's talk about Fred Van Vliet. Cha-ching. Hold on. Your baby signed four years, $85 million. Yes. Good for him. I mean, that was... Pardon me? Gave us a heart attack waiting for him. I know. They gave us a heart attack. I know. I'm thinking, well, that poor child signed something already. Come on. And please, yeah, go back to the Raptors because we were like, yo, what is he doing? (laughs) No, but congratulations, Susan, because that, you know what I mean? And for that is, I believe, the biggest contract in NBA history for an undrafted player. Yep. So that is like, you know, I I, I had no idea at the time until after. Mm -hmm. And this year has been so emotional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that just made me even cry more. I was like, oh, my gosh. Because it it really felt like for the first time from for um, being undrafted. Right. And then to sign a contract of that magnitude and to be on the forefront of paving the way for everyone else. And that just made me cry more. So. I'm getting teary-eyed now. Congratulations. Thank you. But that is a big deal. And you know what? Good for him because he really had to show them, remind them of his worth. And that's what free agency really is about, right? You know what I mean? It's like now it's negotiation time. And that's your opportunity as, you know, I mean, as a player or your agents to really say, listen, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm worth. And this is what I can do for your team. So you got to pay me, you know what I mean? My due diligence. So good for him. You know what I mean? He is... He is going to, you know what I mean? He's he's going to be carrying the team. Definitely. <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> so moving forward now, the season is, um, well, the preseason started. And then our season's about to start. So what are you guys looking forward to? I mean, this is going to be a whole different type of season now with, the arenas, some of them are open, some of them are not. You know what I mean? The ones that are open have very limited people. I mean, which is for everybody's safety, right? But, yeah. I mean, what plans do you guys have to watch your son's games now that you can't watch them in the arenas? If your arena's closed, of course. I mean, Kenny, um, the magic's open. The arena's yeah. open. You got to go through a lot. I went to the preseason uh, Thursday night. It's just, a, it's a lot. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. But uh, I mean, I, it's for everybody's safety. But um, mm-hmm. I I'll catch you know as many home games as I can. Um, sometimes you know watching them going to those home games, and I have a ten year old. It can be a little later than I want him to be out, but um, I'm definitely gonna be there to support our boys and um, just look forward to them having a great season. Um, Dwayne, you know, fitting in, finally, you know, being who he, all he can be, and you know, I'm just excited. And it's going well yeah. for him so far. Yeah, he's actually mentally he's in a very good space. Um, he's he gets along with he gets along with everybody, but he gets along with his teammates. Um, he's he happy. He's definitely happy in a in a good space. Um, he sat down with the coach, and you know things are going good. So he's he's very happy, and I, and it, you know it makes my heart smile to see my kid happy in a good space, especially you know that the challenges we face to get here. So I'm just. Counting my blessings and just ready to be there to support. Well, you're talking to three moms that understand challenges. Like our babies went undrafted, so yeah. <laughs> we understand challenges, right? <laughs> we know what it's like to when you get that child who was unhappy and trying to bring yeah. them to a different situation, right? So, so Michelle, and it's just seems like I'm sorry, but no? it just seems like when you have those kids that go in the first round and they just get more opportunity. And even though Dwayne, you know, he did get drafted, but he went in the second round, 40th pick. It's just a lot of challenges. So I do understand, you know, things y'all go through. Dwayne, you know, it was in the G League back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it's just a lot. And like I said, mentally, if you got a coach or you're somewhere that you're not happy and then someone that doesn't believe you in it, 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 it bothers them. So just watching my kid go through all the ups and downs, I'm just very excited. He's he's finally in a good place, and he's he's going to be given an opportunity. Right. Michelle, do you have any uh, plans to how you're going to watch the games? At my house. By yourself? <laughs> <laughs> at my, on my team? No, I, I will probably head to Cali at some point and watch, like when he has like a nice home stretch. I think in February I'll probably go out there and watch a couple games. But most of the time, I'll probably be home. I mean, I've, I, I've, you know, realized, I realized a while ago we're in a pandemic, but I mean, I've realized with the season that things are not going to be like, it's not going to be like before, like, oh, I'll go fly, catch a flight. I mean, I'll catch a game up in, you know, Philly. I'll drive to Philly. I'll catch the game. I'll probably see him, of course, when he comes to D.C. Right. Because that's, but like, oh, I'll catch a, I'll catch a flight. I'll go to Brooklyn. I'll go to New York games. I'm from Long Island originally. I'm from New York. That's right. You know, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna go here. It's I realize we don't live in that type of world. I'm very settled in that. And um and I'm okay with with any restrictions the NBA has in place that they don't want us to do and want us to do. Um, I mean I'm a nurse, I'm an RN, so I get this whole this is not anything to play with. So I'm perfectly fine with being at home and watching on my TV. Susan, you said you're going to Tampa tomorrow. tomorrow. On the 23rd. So I'll miss his game there. Yeah, you But I have to get home so I can finish Christmas. Okay. But you still have a lot to do for Christmas? Yeah, I'm really a last-minute kind of person. Oh. Right. <laughs> okay, ladies. <laughs> oh, this yeah. episode was a lot of fun. And as you guys, as my courtside moms, 
tell me, what are your hopes for 2021? <sighs> no more coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Susan, anything for, what are you looking forward to for 2021? Healing for our country. Yeah. And no more coronavirus, because that was awful. Yes. Yes. And Michelle? Um, I would say, um, like Sue said, healing, um, peace, peace, and, and doing a lot with our foundation. Just keep giving back to kids. I was, you know what? I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I just realized I'm like, wait a minute. Um, but I was going to wait for you guys to answer the question real quick. Uh, Michelle, I know Damien's foundation. I mean, I just want to talk a little bit about your foundation because I know you guys did a lot of things um, the past couple of months. So do you want to quickly just tell us about that? Yeah. So, well, since since we've last talked, um, we have been up to a couple of things. So we did a Thanksgiving food drive. We partnered with uh, Prince George's County Association of Realtors. And we did a food drive for Thanksgiving. And then we also did a food drive out here in um in Baltimore City. We fed some families. Giant food also participated in the one in Prince George County. We have um given money to a school in Louisville called Grace James Academy Middle School. We're, we're supplying their um virtual equipment for them, their SEL for their learning and Nearpod Nearpod and for um the programming for them to right. do virtual virtual learning. Um, we've adopted a middle school, 20 kids in a middle school. And we're giving them, we're doing like a game box. We give them like boxes full of games and toys and stuff and then adopted a family. So yesterday we gave away food in Oakland with Devon Cajun's Kitchen and um, and Shoe Palace. So we gave food, food away to families while it lasted. And Damien was able to actually stand and give out food there. They followed the CDC protocol, so people had to drive up. And all our events that we did this year, we followed CDC protocol. We popped your trunk and we put food in there. We gave whole Thanksgiving meals, turkeys, sides, everything, roasting pans. And you just had to pop your trunk and we put it in. And the thing that we're doing tomorrow where we're giving the gifts, we have them all in bags labeled with their names on them. And um, they're actually, the school is nice enough. They're actually going to drive them out to the to the family. They'll drive them out to the families for us. And then we're doing, we, we adopted a family. And of course, we're doing something with the NBA where you give back and we're going to, we're adopting families where we're. Well, with COVID, Christmas. with COVID, you have so many families that um, uh, have way less money. Parents don't have jobs or they have nowhere to and, live, they're evicted, whatever the case. Did you find that you had more need this year? Like, did your did your foundation have to? I would say I found, because this is only our second year running our foundation, right. and I would find, I found this year, because, like, we had, like, thoughts. You know, in the beginning of the year before COVID, we had thoughts that we're going to do, give a coat drive. Last year, we did a sneaker drive. So we're like, oh, we're going to do a sneaker drive again this year. We'll do coats. And then right. you realize oh, that need is not really as uh, – prevalent as we thought it was the need is really for food yeah well yeah people really struggle day to day for food absolutely life you know because even with one family that we're helping they wanted the list that they want they just wanted like hats and gloves mm-hmm. and things that we take for granted you know some people want cleaning supplies stuff that we take for granted that we're like we can just run to the store and get it whenever right so we find that people really need need things like that that to us is a is something go 
then it's a luxury because they don't have the extra money to go get that kind of stuff because they're trying to keep their lights on and they're trying to, um, you know, keep a roof over their head. And another thing we found now that kids are learning from home, you know, is that it's a digital divide that really is separating the kids of who have money and who don't. Right. So a lot of kids don't have headphones. Sure, like school will give you a Chromebook, but well, then you're sick with your family and you, all this noise. So we're, we're giving, we're giving. Well, there's a lot of things that, um, that a lot of kids don't have nowadays. So um, it's good that your foundations are, are, are given back. So I, I would close the show and say thank you, but Sue's gone. <laughs> well, your, food your food probably came. Probably, yeah. <laughs> no, she said 10 minutes. I think she went to go take care of the dog. Sue's the best. No, my husband came home from work. She either had to go take care of one of the kids or the dog. So, yeah. <laughs> so, ladies, do you guys have any last words for 2020 before we go? I hope to be able to do my little uh, brunch this year. Um, it would have been my third year doing the brunch yeah. this year. Um, my single mom's brunch. But right, I, right. So, I hope to going into 2021, I'll be able to do it in July. Okay. Well, I'm not a single mom, but I want to come. <laughs> Sue? I, I would love for you to come. Anybody who wants to come, I would love. Yes, please. Yes, invite us. Invite us, no. please. Sue, any last things? I just want to leave 2020 here and yeah. move forward. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, you know, thank you, ladies, so much. Um, we had fun. It totally went different than what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I learned I a lot of tidbits. Andy, what did you think was going to happen? I hate to ask, but what did you think? Was- <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really wasn't sure, to be honest, because I was like, hmm, what am I going to talk about? Because usually for an interview, I'll prepare, you know what I mean? And this one I did, but at the same time, I just prepared the topics. But, you know what I mean? You don't, I didn't do any questions because I was like, I just wanted to be a candidate conversation. So, but thank you so much for sharing your insights. I had a lot of fun. Good luck to your boys um, and yourselves, right? Be safe. Be very, very safe. Michelle, I'm going to see you soon. (laughs) Be safe till I see you again. There you go. Um, And Kenny, good luck to... uh, (laughs) To to Dwayne, um, yes. I mean, again, he's 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 a magic player now. So I'm I'm just so believe in magic. I feel so, yeah. There you go. I feel so blessed. We're gonna have to get that T-shirt going. Um, and Sue, all the best to to Fred um, in in Tampa. I mean, let's hope that this all goes away so he can go back to Toronto where we want him to be. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you so much for coming on Courtside Moms and Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Courtside Moms and make sure you subscribe to the podcast.